Welcome to For Love of Show. Guess who's hanging out with us today? John Brotherton. You may know him as the dreamy Matt Harmon on Fuller House, Shepard from Furious 7, Jared Banks on One Life to Live, and who could forget the butler from Analog Days. And here's John. Hey, Kim, look who just walked in. Whoa. Boom. <laughs> Looks like John Brotherton from TV's Fuller House. <laughs> Dr. Matt Harmon from Fuller House of and course. also Jared Banks, Clint Buchanan, and young Clint Buchanan from One Life to Live. <laughs> <laughs> Is that accurate? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I haven't heard young Clint Buchanan. We did, when I was on the soap opera for one week, of course, because soap operas are so real to life, we went back in time and got to play characters of now back when they were kids. And so Clint Buchanan was a character on the show, um, played by Jerry Vadorn, who was amazing. But we went back in time, so I got to play him in what I think was like the 70s. So it was like, you can imagine the clothes. You had a mad afro. Oh, it was the in the Mutton chops. And the, oh, yeah, we did it all. It was awesome. really fun, actually. because And then everything was a bit of a superlative, so it was a little over the top. Um, and he was like the wild boy, the young Buchanan. So that was fun. And it, it got you an extra credit on the show. Yeah, apparently. I <laughs> nice. didn't even know I, there was a credit lingering out there, but Oh, it's out there. That's right. That was a nice little flashback. Thank you for that. But Jared Banks was your character. Jared Banks was my character. Banks. Jared Banks. Yeah. Did he have a motorcycle? That was my, literally my intro day was Banks. Jared Banks. It's like, that's That's quality. Yeah. The first day I was like, (laughs) oh boy. Um, What was the question? Uh, Did he have a motorcycle? I just feel like he does. No, he didn't have a motorcycle, but he was coming out of prison. uh, He was an ex-con. What did he do? His original crime, he got framed, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, but then he was, he showed up to, to land view this, man, this is all like blast from the past, uh, <laughs> as a total con artist because he, um, was obsessed with Asa Buchanan, who's the patriarch of one life to live mm-hmm. as a businessman and entrepreneur. And he was like reading his books and following up on him. But then he, then, then Jared Banks falls in love with, uh, Asa's granddaughter, um, Natalie Buchanan. And but woos his way into the company as an heir of Asa, right? So then you're stuck with Natalie, who thinks Jared is a relative, and Jared is secretly in love with Natalie. So it was, that was a f- fun yeah. thing to play, the stickiness of we were technically like, I think, cousins or something, hmm. or so she thought, but then, you know. I mean, I it, think that's a very common Yeah, kind of. Problem. Yeah, yeah especially in the soap opera world. <laughs> Being on the soap was so fun, though. It was a blast. It was like going to a playground as an actor every day. I can only Because it was year-round. Yeah. Right? So if mm-hmm. you like to do this and work as an actor, it is is kind of the ultimate job. I mean, if you take away sort of critical acclaim or pay or things like that, the fact that we got to go and play, you know, you get to go and play every day, all year round. The circumstances are always so high that it was just like fun. Are you usually nervous about the fate of your character? You're like, I really hope soap? they stay alive and healthy. Yeah, and- it is a joke that everyone, <laughs> everyone right away, like when you get the script, you don't really find out until you 
find out. Right. right. Yeah. So uh, that is the ongoing joke. Each script is sort of, am I going to make it to the end of the script? Um, one so, life to live. Yeah, one life to live. Exactly. <laughs> Except, you know, then they find a way to, you know, bring lives back. Or when my one of my character was killed, of course, the, the casket was empty at the <gasps> funeral, which they just you know, plug goodness. in things like that to yeah. leave open doors. Um, so... So the body fell out in the street or something on the way? They well, never picked that story up. They were no. like, no, nah, it's fine. I, He's no, around. The, the, actually, the guy that, the character that murdered me popped out of the casket, right? So oh, he was, whoa. it was like a switcheroo. That's uh, dedication for yeah. that murderer. What yeah. is the motivation of a murderer to murder and then get ready for a funeral? And then at the last minute, be like, this is going to be hysterical. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think it <laughs> was like a surprise. And he was like, <laughs> I want to murder more people. It was his ultimate goal. I forget the character's name, but he's got, he, I think through the years he's, he's knocked off quite a few Landview residents. Um, but somehow wow. keeps finding his way back. Hmm. So That's they're forgiving people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they are because everyone's like, it's all. There's always a baby missing, and someone's been killed, and someone's hiding in somebody's basement, and but they seem to all forgive each other. And they wonder why people are so paranoid yeah, <laughs> coming right? home yeah. to their houses at night. <laughs> um, how many seasons were you on? So I was on for three years, um, which equated to I think 297 episodes. Wow, that's um, amazing. And that's what's so fun about the soap world. It's it's funny because the soap world kind of gets this bad rap in the business. Mm -hmm. Like it's sort of the, the blue collar actors gig, but man, it was like boot camp for actors. Cause you work so much and you, and it's, the stakes are really high as far as how fast they work. Nothing ever gets pushed to the next day. The schedule is so airtight that we never even worked more than 15 minutes past the time the estimated out wow. every single day for wow. three years. Like no scenes get pushed. You work so fast. And so you have to be so professional um, and efficient as an actor. And it really teaches you the tricks of the trade to just handle your business um, when you need to. So that in that in that regard, it was really awesome. Um, so I'll never forget. We did about 90 pages a day, which as you guys know, is like shooting a feature film every day. Yeah. Um, and one day in particular, I had 72 straight pages, me and um, Melissa, who played Natalie, just the two of us. So it wasn't like big scenes where we could split up. It was just the two of us, but they had to build a set. We were in New York, so the space was limited. So they built sets and broke them down the same day. And they had to build a set that was this like log cabin we were going to that we were there for the course of five episodes. And so, but then we were the only people there and they weren't using it for anything else. So they literally needed to build it for a day, shoot out those five episodes. And then in each episode, it's six scenes. There's 30 scenes of just her and I um, straight. And so it was a marathon all day long, just her and I, one page at a time, one scene at a time. Wow. I watched a soap opera when I was a kid oh, and one? I had, uh, as the world turns. Okay, cool. Uh, and I had all these questions like, do they cross board? How long are the days? When are you getting the scripts? Uh, we got the script a week in advance. Okay. And so, and it would come in your uh, mail. Literally, we had like good old fashioned mailboxes, you know. Like a corporate job. Yeah, totally corporate yeah. job. You came in, especially in New York, it felt even more because spaces was so much smaller. I walk to work. You like walk in through the front door. That's the only in and out of the building. Mm -hmm. Fans were always out front. I was going to say tight like, security. But yeah. it's like if you needed air, you walked out front just for the, you know, hang out with, yeah, have a bite on the steps or whatever. And it was sort of like you're right there in the middle of the hustle and bustle of New York City on 66. So um, it was just a, yeah, it was a different feel than being in LA, but it was, it was, um, it was really awesome. So yeah, you get your script a week in advance. You could always go through the door as an employee they were open 24, 24 hours because the guys worked 
relentlessly behind the scenes flipping sets and they'd work like 20 hour days. So I'd often walk my dog at like midnight, stop in, grab this script from, you Mm -hmm. know, next week. It was next to Central Park, let the dog run around. And, um, those were fun days. Um, that was a fun time because it was also kind of my first, I guess you could say, break in the business. So, I, you know, I went from being a starving artist to enjoying being an actor in New York. So, yeah, it was like a week in advance. Really, it was the same setup as like a sitcom, just minus the audience. Mm-hmm. It's three cameras, same boom situation, very similar. All the stage directions, kind of the same. Director's job is more a geometry trust versus like emotional uh, preparation. And what were you doing right before you got that job? Well, I moved into L.A. in 2003 and I booked that in 2007. So that's four years of good old fashioned. Like I moved to LA with really nothing but the clothes in my back seat. I kind of had to find a place to live when I got here. Didn't have any of the, you know, didn't have a job. Didn't have, I had one cousin down here. We ended up getting a place together. It was sort of my touchstone. And then starting from the ground up, going to class, studying student films, anything I get my hands on, I did. I was reading scripts constantly. I was volunteering for whatever I possibly could. I was always in class. And about a year in, I probably booked like my first commercial and then the course of the next like year or two I booked a couple commercials and then I booked one little guest spot meanwhile I was my first job here I was I bounced at Q's which is like a <laughs> billiard club in Brentwood and then I worked at Moon Shadows out in, on uh, PCH in Malibu nice. um, and then Vibrato up uh, in Bel Air, Herb Albert's Supper Club. You got some good locations there. Yeah, they were. I I, I tried to work places I thought I might enjoy, so it wasn't like torture. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Really enjoyed bartending. So yeah, I was there when I was, you know, doing the good old-fashioned actor thing when they uh, they said you got the it was like a Thursday probably and they said you know you got the job you start on Monday my uh, girlfriend at the time who's now my wife uh, we were just living together knew that we were heading down the aisle eventually um, but when I booked the job she didn't hesitate when I asked her to come took my first paycheck and cashed it and went down to the Diamond District and got a rock and good man yeah, yeah. And that was that so that was oh. a decade ago yeah wow. How did you and Allison meet? We met in acting class. We both moved here the first year. Like, so we both moved here about the same time as fate has it um, and joined the same class at the Baron Brown studio in Santa Monica, which is a two-year Meisner school. And it was cool because being in class and in that environment, it's such a vulnerable state. Like, I feel like the older you get, it's just harder to meet people because you're not in that natural, like in school, when you're growing up, you're just living with the other people constantly. So you get to see people for who they are. Well, Mm -hmm. class was the same way, especially acting class where I got to, and Meisner training especially, where you really strip yourself down to the raw nerve. So we became really good friends for a long time. Fortunately, she was in a relationship when we met, which prevented me from probably screwing things up too early (laughs) and allowed us to become good friends first. That's good. Until fate took over. She's the best. (laughs) She is. She's great. She's the best. Yeah. So we met in 03, kissed in 04, said I love you in five, moved in in six, got engaged in seven, wed in eight, pregnant in nine, shy in 10, pregnant in 11, sailor in 12. What's so, 13? 13 so, was just like, well, well, it was a year. No, 13 is big. <laughs> 13 was furious, seven. Now that we have kids, nothing seems to be as important, but it's more like career milestones and things like that. So yeah, that's kind of our quick history. It's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. She's my rock. 
Well, uh, speaking of rocks, on the rocks. Yes. We have a uh, fine <laughs> we virgin have, cocktail and drink. Mel's been working on I her love, segues. I love segues. Uh, so today's drink we've designed for John because he had requested an Arnold Palmer. But, love me an Arnold Palmer. But we wanted to spice it up a little bit. <laughs> Kim's still laughing at my segue. Um, <laughs> I'm also laughing because I know what the name of the drink is. So we named it Sweet Harmonade. Oh, okay. I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> because there is lemonade in it. In addition to uh, some peach iced tea, uh, a little bit of fresh grapefruit juice, and uh, a touch of cinnamon. It's the cinnamon. It's, you know, it's a little spice no, because like there's it. some spice in the in the vet office on uh, Fuller House. Harmonade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you. So we're going to post the recipe for everybody. Sweet. Okay. I love it. I wonder if the sweet harmonade could get misinterpreted. Give me some of that sweet harmonade. <laughs> I guess it's about all how you say it. Right? It's about <laughs> delivery. When Mel says it, it just sounds like a nice, yeah, cool, refreshing like drink for the summer. Harmonade. You know, interpret it as you will. Right. Okay. Uh, I I have a super random question. So I'm, we're trying to do this thing where we ask a completely out of the blue word association. Okay. Uh, tell me a story about a boat. Um, we went on a couple, what comes to mind, I love the water. Grew up in the Northwest, so there's lots of rivers and lakes and beaches and the whole thing. But for a few summers when I was young, we got a boat and went up into the San Juan Islands, which are like a group of islands off of the Pacific Northwest, and would go from harbor to harbor each night. And, you know, it's like uh, you play on the boat, you dive in during the night, you drop crab traps and you go clamming. And during the day, we're out there deep sea fishing and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I guess when I hear boat, that's kind of the first thing that pops in. Uh, Want to do some rapid fire? You can't ask. You need a segue. Uh, Speaking of (laughs) water and... Water and fire. Fire. (laughs) So we should play some rapid rapid fire. fire. There it is. See? Boom. Favorite Power Ranger. They're not all going to be good. I'm just going to let you know right now. (laughs) I don't have a clue. Oh, Um, man. But I know that like Power Rangers... At, when my daughters were really young, it was like crack for them. It was like if they found it on, like when they were supposed to be watching, you know, how to potty train by Elmo or whatever, and they would <laughs> find like like <laughs> Power Rangers on Netflix somewhere and like snuck it in their bedroom. It was like their first like sneaky, like they wanted to watch Power Rangers and like do moves. But with that being said, I've never seen it enough to be familiar with the characters. Mine's pink, if that helps. I was pink Power Ranger for about four years. Oh, do you just pick a yeah, color? Is that what it is? It's just, do they well, have names? Pick color. Kimberly is yeah. the pink one. Kimberly's pink one. First job <laughs> ever. Working construction in high school. is construction company that they kind of specialized in developments of like townhouses and sort of modern family houses. So they'd throw up one and then it was my job to come in and kind of get the scraps out, take it to the dump, make sure everything was up to code for inspections. And um, yeah, usually whatever the worst job on site was, that's what I had to do, me and my buddy. How old were you? 16 and 17, I think is when I was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to just preface this with judging by your Power Rangers answer. It's possible that you'll also not know these. Okay. (laughs) You're probably right. Okay, good. But I don't care. I'm no, going no, into this go. question we're, strong. Yeah, we're going so rapid here. I can okay. barely. <laughs> we're going to rename this game right. for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, Miss Congeniality 2. <laughs> Hang on. Armed and Fabulous. Or Free Willy 2. <laughs> the Journey Home. Well, no, but here. Okay, so I've, I have not seen either of them. What? But technically, my first audition ever was Free Willy, the first one. 
So you sort of Holding dug up something my hair. like I never, uh, uh, yeah, I haven't thought about in a long time. But as they were the doing kid? as the kid. Um, but they were doing this nationwide search as they do for kids. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't ever been on an audition. It wasn't something that we were pursuing at the time. But my mom had such a love for film. That's sort of why I am doing what I am. We just grew up around it, and somehow, I mean, gosh, I must have been somewhere in elementary school when that came out. So eight, nine, 10, something like that. My mom saw or found out about the cattle call casting they were having. And so she sent, you know, stuff. And I just remember kind of waiting in line all day going in, they ask you a couple of weird questions and you go out and it was just sort of a blur. Uh, I did not get the job clearly. And, uh, but it's, I guess, forever technically my first audition. What weird questions did they ask you? I cannot even remember. Um, but you didn't. I didn't read anything, um, so it wasn't like that kind of audition. It was literally like probably they were getting a personality test. Trying to keep that free Willy script on lockdown? Yeah, right, yeah. Big, <laughs> well, I was just totally. picturing them being like, how do you feel about whales? <laughs> right, yeah. No, I think it was, I just remember being really basic questions. I remember, you know, as a kid, I, everything's kind of blurry, but it was like, I remember thinking we waited around all day and that was like, they didn't get get anything. And I was probably, they probably knew right away, like, no, this isn't our kid. So they probably said, you know, what's your favorite sport? Great. Next. But I couldn't, I can't tell you what they asked me. I just remember <laughs> thinking that's bizarre. I waited all day and they don't even know me. But yeah, I didn't get that job. Well, they're lost. Speaking of jobs you've gotten, yes. uh, what's your dream guest star for Fuller House? Oh, for Fuller House. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, that's a great, I don't know. I have no idea. What's coming to mind in my head right now is I thought it would be fun to have like a crazy mother. So whoever that could be, oh. but like, like Dr. Matt's mom comes to town and like, she's like, you know, like, Oh my God, Shelly like, Long. It's that something like that. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. It would be like so amazing, funny. like something that creates this, like the drama between the mom and the mother-in-law or that kind of, you know, like the, the, or the mom and the, the girlfriend, that kind of triangle. Um, so when you said that, that's just stuck in my brain. But beyond that, there's so many wonderful actors out there that I feel like each week we get a surprise. Um, True. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes what's fun and what I really actually love, I mean, it's always great to work with big names, but I love it when we you work with an actor that the casting directors or producers took a chance on that doesn't necessarily have some big giant resume mm-hmm. that gets this, the little golden, you know, guest star couple lines and just kills it. And I love seeing these guys come in. It, I mean, cause I remember what it was like when you're, you know, fighting for a co-star or a guest star and you get it and you just want to do the best possible job that you can. So I find that to be actually the most inspiring is when you, when people come in and just really are grateful for where they are and uh, excited to have the opportunity. I feel like Hagen Boo needs a shout out. What's up Hagen Boo? (laughs) (laughs) Just because he totally was that was that person who came in. Yeah. We didn't know, you know, where that character was going to go. And he was just so hilarious. Right, Those abs were going to work though. Let's be be serious. What does Vin Diesel smell like? (laughs) Fresh. I remember him always smelling fresh. I would expect nothing less. And he is, it's so funny because in real life he's, he's like a teddy bear. So, you know, you see on screen, you just want, you just want him to stink. Cause you're like, want him to be you're like Dominic Toretto is going to be like greasy and stinky man. And then you meet him and he's such a sweetheart. I'm here to ask the hard hitting yeah, questions. Yeah, those are good. No, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a really good one. It is. Now I, now I can be prepared. I'm, I'm like to thinking to myself, I'm like, has him. anyone stunk? Like what a- this one's like kind of sentimental. I don't know. I, I've just, when I thought of questions, I just thought of all very sentimental ones. Cause if you, Love it. I don't no, know, cool. it just came out. There's been like a lot of like throwbacks here. We got free yeah. Willie. We got yeah. Jared Banks. See the topics we cover on the show. Uh, if you had the chance to relive one moment, 
what would it be? Wow. Um, and that's also very wow. tough. Great question for rapid fire, Mel. Yeah, well, yeah, this yeah, isn't yeah. rapid fire anymore. We uh, know that. That's a great question because there's there's so many, obviously, in, in life that you just wish you could cherish. Of um, course. The first you know, that comes to mind, we'll say. Children being born, that kind of thing. Honestly, the first that came to mind when you said that, though, is I spent six months uh, in Europe um, in college. And it was an experience of a lifetime. I was there for international business school, but because at the time I hadn't even considered being an actor as a career, it was just a hobby. But I know looking back, I didn't make the decision to be an actor there, but I know looking back that it freed my soul in a way to then a year later make the commitment to being an actor, which came down to a moment moment in time that I just sort of never looked back. But I really... I guess you could say found myself there, but really freed my, I would, I would say freed my soul there um, in every way possible. I didn't care what I ate or drank or did. And, you know, I gained like 15 pounds and grew my hair out and didn't shave and got an eyebrow or piercing and, and really just indulged on life and enjoyed every moment, you know, whether I was sleeping on a train car or you know, it's some cool place. Um, those, and it's, I just knew, I just know it's not an experience you can go back on and like be a kid again and traveling Europe for an extended period of time, um, where you can really just like immerse yourself in another world. Um, it'll be great to visit some of those spots again. Um, but that experience in and of itself was just priceless. It was Prague, right? For a lot so I of stayed it? in, uh, Denmark was my home base, um, Aarhus, Denmark, which is the, like the second largest city beyond Copenhagen. So that was home base. But, um, I went about a month early with friends also in the program just to travel. And then while school was actually going, the teachers were awesome. The way our grades worked at the school were it was a hundred percent, 100% of your grade was your final. So, we're so used to in the States, at least schools that I was in, is like you got homework and pop quizzes and everything kind of adds up over time for your overall grade. Well, there, it was all your final. And they were really intense finals. But early on during like sort of intro week, one of the teachers was pretty honest with us and said, listen, we know why you're here. You want to see Europe. You want to live the culture. You want to do all this stuff. You're welcome to come to lecture every week. We're going to be, you know, and learn that way. But if you want to go travel, just make sure, you know, at the end of the semester, you know your shit. So we took that to heart in some days. You know, some weeks we stayed in lecture and then other weeks we literally pointed to places on the map that we had no idea what it was like off the coast of France and said, let's get there by tomorrow and would jump on a train and uh, travel around. Went to, I think, 13 countries and 76 cities and um, just tried to really do it all while I was there and live as freely as I possibly could. And I was with a great group of friends. I had my 21st birthday there. That was funny. We were in Interlock in Switzerland. And of course they're like feeding me drinks and everyone's like, what's the big deal on your 21 or like, cause they've been drinking since they were exactly. four. Um, and I just, you know, made a fool out of myself. I was there during September 11th, which was a crazy experience not wow. to be on home turf. That's something I'll never forget. It was the afternoon there and one of my Danish roommates knocked on my door, said, do you know anyone in the World Trade Center? I said, no, called home right away, got through, and we kind of had a quick conversation with my mom about what was going on. Tried again a little later, and it said all circuits are busy, which is sort of what I expected. Mm -hmm. And then, something I'll never forget, called again, it was from a payphone outside, because back then that's pretty much how it went when you were dialing internationally. The third time I called in, it was about, two hours after everything happened, um, 
it said uh, the, the United, there's this woman's voice, and it said the United States is not accepting international phone calls at this time. Try again later. And I was like, whoa, I'm like wow. cut off. And we didn't know at the time, were we going to war? Like, was there going to be more of this stuff? So that was crazy being a child, really. I was, you know, I just turned 21, um, overseas, no family, on my own, and where the student housing was in Aarhus was actually in sort of this Palestinian ghetto where they were celebrating what was going on and rioting and there was all kinds of crazy friends of mine were circled and, uh, you know, where they were applauding and chanting Osama, Osama. And we were told by various, our teachers and diplomats and whatever, you know, not to say you're from America and claim that you're Canadian and don't wear baseball caps and don't speak English on buses. So when I would see the news and back home, everyone was like banding together and being patriotic and there were American flags flying everywhere and everyone's doing their best to, you know, sort of the American pride thing. Um, we were, told to do the opposite and do everything you can not to be American. And, um, so that was a, that was a really crazy experience, um, to be over there for that. Airlines were shut down. Mail was shut down. I didn't know how, I thought I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to live in Denmark for a while. Wow. Um, yeah. Long story, rapid fire question, but <laughs> that's no, yeah. that's quite a story. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And there was a lot and there's, you know, many, many more, but skinny dipping in the Mediterranean and you know, all that fun it's like a, we could make a movie about yeah, that. Totally. Yeah, totally. It was. It was yeah. like every fun sort of cliche travel thing uh, we tried to we tried to do or accomplish while right. we were there. Yeah. Sounds like you were successful. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, at what point did you think I have to pierce my eyebrow today? <laughs> we were in Prague and me and my buddy were this is about a month into the trip and he wanted to get his right below his lip on his chin and you know, we were we had already committed to like not cutting our hair when we were there. It was like a big deal like, you know. Yeah. Um, and my pictures are kind of funny too cuz I was I was in a fraternity at the time. I was your classic good old all-American frat boy and I leave with like I had like recently uh, bleached my hair like platinum blonde so it was like this short like platinum blonde fresh faced <laughs> and then I got off the plane and that had grown way out so the tips were then white gained a bunch of weight like grown out my facial hair and I walked by my mom and she looked at me and looked right by me when she was waiting and she you know it was oh funny it was goodness. like she, she she says you know she she put a boy on the plane and a man came home that kind of cliche um, did she cry when she but, saw you uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of She's those like, things. Like we're going to the barbershop. shop. Yeah, yeah. No, she was stoked. You know, my mom was always the the artist. The one. It was funny because I was always this really serious child. Like, no, I gotta like put a suit and tie on and go to Wall Street and make a bunch of money for our family. And she was this free spirited artist that kind of you know loved film and arts, and that's that's where my love comes from. Um, but always encouraged me in the arts, and which I loved. And it was always like this intense hobby and passion. But I always thought to myself, no. But I've, when it comes to real life, I gotta go be a business man. So I got three business degrees and jumped in my car and <laughs> went to LA to be an actor. It's <laughs> amazing. It's such a great uh, story. And I, I, I love your mom already. She's awesome. What made you decide to just get in the car? So the summer before my senior year in college, I was, I had an internship with this real estate development company and that's what I thought I wanted to do and was super stoked. And then the job started and it was a nightmare. The company was falling apart. Everything they promised me was not happening. I was doing grunt work and it was just just not fun. And it just sort of gave me pause. And I had never, as much as I loved, it's funny because everyone usually says that they grew up wanting to be an actor, right? Oh, I've wanted to be an actor since, you know, um, 
even people that don't end up pursuing it say that when they were children, they wanted to grow up and be an actor. Um, that's awesome. That, <laughs> <laughs> the cat sound. It's a segue. Effect. She's like, stop the story. Yeah, she's so like, boring. ask the spirit animal yeah. question. Yeah. So that, so that summer, I, like I said, acting, I never even considered, it's kind of weird looking back. I never even thought about it as a career. It was just something I loved. I had done it. I'd gone to drama camp a bunch when I was young. My mom sent me like when I was like 10, 11, 12, I'd go to these five week drama camps during the summer and had a ball and had a blast. And it's where I learned to act and the whole thing, um, but never considered it an, a, a profession. So fast forward, I have this internship. It's this summer. It's grunt work. I'm in line at a Fred Myers in Seattle and I'm staring at a picture of Ben Affleck on the cover of an Us Weekly. And it was a very, he was like, he had like his baseball cap on. It was like like a Red Sox hat because he's a big fan. And there was something in that moment that I really like saw something similar in him to myself and thought, man, there's just a dude that likes sports just like me and isn't, you know, some thespian. Because at the time I always thought, well, I'm not serious enough. These guys, these other actors, you know, they're so serious and would never sort of give myself the uh, mental credit to like, go after it, even though I loved it. And and I saw something very similar in him in that moment. Like there's just a guy from a dude from the neighborhood that I could sort of relate to. And I said, the difference is he just went after what he loves. And literally in that moment, I said, that's what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. And I went out in the parking lot, called my mom, and told her mom, this is gonna sound really weird, but I'm gonna go finish my senior year in college, but then I'm gonna move to LA and be an actor. And she like pulled her car over. She's crying and celebrating because it's something she'd always encouraged me to do. It's weird. It's like usually the other way around. Mm-hmm. The kid wants to be the, the artist and the parents are like, no, go to business school and put on a tie. And it was like, I tried that. And my mom supported me through all that. She was always really supportive of me. But when I told her I was gonna, you know, commit, to the arts, she she like just celebrated and and uh, was so thrilled. So and I never looked back. I went and graduated my senior year, but during that year, I got heavily involved in my community theater in Corvallis, Oregon, where Oregon State is, as well as the actual theater of the college, and did you know as many plays as I could, showcases I could, just to prepare myself to move to LA and wing it. If you ever ran into Ben Affleck, would you tell him that that story? I mean, if I had a chance to say more than hi, how are you? Um, Absolutely, for sure. Goodwill Hunting was big inspiration, I think, at a kind of early stage in my falling in love with, with this whole game. But I would absolutely tell them that, yeah. Yeah, because they made that whole process so relatable because absolutely. they were just exactly. a couple of guys. Exactly. You know? That's what was cool about it. They, I felt like they were just a couple of couple of dudes. Yeah, totally. Is it my turn? <laughs> Uh, I definitely don't want to ask my question now. After well, that. my my next question. <laughs> Why? Now I want you. Yeah, you have to. It's like it's so bad. It's so dumb. Hey, we got free Willy out of one of your questions. So. <laughs> I mean, she already yeah. did her sequels, so I'm not bracing myself for <laughs> yeah. Legally Blonde two, Red, White, and Blonde. So, uh, Seahawks, huh? Yes, Seahawks, absolutely. There you go. Yes, right. For sure. Yeah, no, I'm a big Seahawks fan. I love football. They've been exciting to be fans of the last the last decade. They've really turned it around. So for sure. They're like mopping the floor. Yeah, they've been they've been doing So what's your favorite right. cleaning product? <laughs> oh let's see. Yikes. Look at that segue. Yikes. <laughs> I know uh, I need to go take a lap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my favorite cleaning product. Gosh, I use a lot of Resolve when you have small children and uh, Clorox spray. Yep, there you go. Solid answer. All right. Now that we know that, Team Matt, Team Steve, or 
team stat, and that's where you guys just like run off and open your own B and B. No, look, I'm I'm totally team stat, <laughs> but not probably because we're gonna run away together. I'm diplomatic, just as like uh, two bros yeah. being best friends, opening up a B and B in Kentucky. Totally, hey, in Kentucky. Yeah, and you could have you know serve Kentucky. bourbon to everyone. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you go. Kind of awesome. I would go literally every weekend. Right? No, no. Look, you know, obviously we all love Scott, and he's just such a great dude. The best part about this whole thing is that he has been nothing but cool and arms open welcoming since the moment I arrived and I never felt like some kind of weird jealousy or hostility from him as like the new kid on the block. If anything, he's gone, you know, head over heels to be welcoming and just make it as fun of a rivalry and competition as possible. I remember the one of the first episode, it was like, we were just like rivals, rivals, rivals. Meanwhile, like Scott and I were like totally having fun and getting along behind the scenes. And it was, forget what episode number it was, but it was the one where we go back and they like had a brief, went back in time to like see their first kiss. And he like commented on mm-hmm. his hair and it was around notes that day. We were all like, I feel like Steve and Matt need like a like a bro moment. And, you know, from there, it sort of blossomed into actually, truth be told, the next day is when I got the script that him and I uh, were kissing. So I remember <laughs> texting Candace saying, well, uh, we got our bro moment and uh, the rest is, is history. But that's been fun, to the, the balance of, you know, buds and rivals. Have you heard that there's a BuzzFeed quiz? Should you date Matt or Steve? That I did not know. Do you want to <laughs> Yeah, let's do quiz? it. For sure, I want to see who I should be. <laughs> well, this is kind of weird because this is who you, who you should date, not if you're team, but you okay. know, this is, it can work. Okay, so the first question is... I don't know what's going to be weirder, <clears throat> whether it ends up being myself I should date. I guess or, we'll cross that bridge okay, when we come yeah. to it. <laughs> okay, pick someone to help you get ready for your date, Kimmy or Stephanie. Steph. Pick a perfect date spot, a burger joint or a baseball game. Man, that's tough because I would like get a burger at the game, right? I mean, it's kind of, they're kind of both along the same. Mm -hmm. If I had to choose, I would go to the ball game. Uh, What's an important quality to be chivalrous or patient? Man, they really go hand in hand. I would say, God, they're both pretty important if you're looking to be successful in your relationship, but. (laughs) One or the other, uh, sorry. (laughs) Let's go with patience as the bigger. Uh, but what would an additional perk be successful in his career or loves kids? Why can't it be wow. both? Yeah. You can be successful, but you better hate those kids. Yeah. Right? yeah. Or you better love kids, but like, you yeah. know, you're going to be on the street. Yeah. Right. Lucky lady. What's more important? It's an additional perk. Oh, an additional perk. Poorly phrased question, but yeah. Buzzfeed, come on. It's an additional perk. We have actual like Matt yes. taking this quiz. <laughs> an additional. I, it's funny. Cause like, if it was more important, I would say the kids, but an additional perk. Let's go with good job. Oh, it comes down to phrasing. Pick a dog, golden retriever or beagle. Golden retriever. I used to have one. Well, the best. It's, it's your lucky day. You got Matt. You love a guy who's dedicated, hardworking, and a bit of a surprise romantic, which is why Matt is the perfect man for you. Oh, Aww. man. I'm just going to go home tonight and... With a gif <laughs> um, that has you pointing at Scott. Myself? <laughs> saying, I thought she was going to pick you. There's multiple things on the internet about this. Um, anyways, moving on. <laughs> the rest of the show is just fun. Mel Googling the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuller House. <laughs> oh, uh, where were you when you got the call that you received the role of Matt Harmon on Fuller House? Uh, I was on my couch and 
it's it was kind of a weird story because in in this business, so often you fight for jobs. You you audition, then you audition again, and then you get called. Like especially the big jobs, and then you get called back, and then you test, and then you don't get it, and then oh, then you're gonna test again. And like when I got Jared Banks, they like flew me to New York like twice, and then oh, we got to test him against some other guys, and they brought in other guys that we went and tested. And and uh, coming with that is there's lots of second places. There's lots of didn't get the jobs, and and so the agony of like from first getting an audition appointment to actually booking a job is usually a long drawn out process that you go through waves of emotions. This was a situation, bless whoever's heart that got it going, but it was, um, it was an offer. So I, uh, was sitting there and my agent called and he said, so this is going to be, this can sound sort of strange. Um, but you remember full house? And I was like, yeah, aren't they bringing that back? And he's like, yeah, they're, they're bringing it back. So, you know, the character DJ Candace Cameron. Yeah. And, and he said, so you're going to play, or you've been offered to play her kind of little fling for a few episodes. Sweet. I was like, okay, wow. How did that happen? Um, come to find out, I've, you know, I've realized Bob Boyette, I had worked for at a guest star previously who oddly enough, Rich was also the director of partners, the, right? Partners. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then as well, the, the same casting directors as our show also did hmm. partners and two other things that, um, I've been cast in. So was, I think a sort of a combination of knowing them and having worked for Bob Boyette, I don't know whose ultimate call it was. I had never met Jeff before, but it was one of those random things. They said, well, you know, it's, you have this, I guess it was a five episode guarantee, um, with an eight episode option. So maybe they'll, you know, kick you a few extra episodes. I'm like, sweet, this will be fun. And that was episode four of season one. And it just sort of progressed from there. It's strange because it's been a dream job. It has been my ultimate dream come true is this job. And oddly enough, it came with no stress of getting in, which every other big job usually comes with. Right. Um, So it's literally been a dream since the first time I got wind of it. There's been zero agony involved. Did you watch the show growing up? The honest answer is no. Long story short, like I said, my mom was a lover of film. We grew up in a little apartment with one TV and you kind of back before the days of TiVo, you watched whatever was on. (laughs) Um, And as a child, you watch what your parents really watch. Um, And so we watched a lot of film growing up. And so I was aware of it, very aware of it, uh, because it was part of pop culture and had seen episodes, always, you know, enjoyed it if I caught it, but didn't know it well enough to know storylines or know catchphrases besides, I think I knew cut it out. So fast forward to uh, the pet clinic. I think episode seven is Matt and DJ's first kiss. It was like seven or eight of season one, Mm -hmm. somewhere in there. And we have our first kiss. And then she pulls back and says, oh, my Lanta. And I remember thinking, that is a bizarre choice. (laughs) Uh, But... You know, they know what they're doing. So I'm certainly not going to make fun like, of it. Like, I've never gotten that reaction yeah, before. Like, but this is, this is <laughs> full house, right? Hurt? Yeah, totally. And it wasn't until a couple episodes later when she said it again. And then my kids started watching the original and I would catch them watching it. And that's when it really hit me is seeing her character <laughs> when she was like 10. Say, oh, my Lanta. And I'm like, oh, my Lanta. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, it, I think it put me at a strange advantage not knowing them as their characters and showing up as an actor meeting other actors that are now working together because that's its own sort of relationship that has to be nurtured in order for, you know, the magic to happen. And I, I think there was probably an advantage subconsciously to not knowing them all so well as who they were on TV. So you get the call, mm-hmm. five episodes. Yeah. Did you think, oh, this will be a quick 
thing and then, you know, who knows, it's a reboot. This is a new Exactly, because I think everyone thought as a whole, no one really knew what to expect anyways. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even from the top down, I think everyone was kind of thinking, hey, so let's do a season. This will be fun. And, you know, no one had any expectations, right? And if anything, people's expectations were maybe to squeeze out a season and see what happens. Do it for the fans. Yeah, get exactly. Get the nostalgia yeah. back. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And, and then probably go our separate ways and whatever. So I thought, oh, this is rad. I, I didn't think anything more than a little arc on a show. Um, I was just excited to have a job and go to work as an actor and um, quickly just fell in love with everybody and the set and production. And I mean, there's not a bad egg in the whole place. Yeah, it just sort of, you know, kind of grew from there. And by the end of the season, we were cutting the, the ribbon uh, in the Harmon Fuller pet care. And I was just like, kept my mouth shut. I was like, I don't want to get caught. I feel like, you know, it's like one of those things when <laughs> everything's like so good that you're like, I don't want to wake up from this. Um, but my name's on the door now and we'll see what happens. Little did you know you were joining a cult. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. No, you're right. I, I, I wasn't quite aware of how powerful the whole thing was and what an unbelievable blessing it is to to be a part of it. I would say it was the second call. It was the call between season one and two when they offered the jump from guest star to series (laughs) regular that was like the... fucking yeah moment. Um, that was, that was definitely, I was in my car. I was actually working on a film, um, taking a break, sitting in my car out in the street, getting that call. That was fun. I remember going back to work just in the back of my brain, like just cloud nine, trying to like keep it really cool and like work on the job that I was in front of me, you know, yeah, you're like, yeah. peace out guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, lot, yeah, exactly. It was, it was hard to contain myself. We were actually, Floor House was recently a, an answer on a double jeopardy question. No way. On, really? On, uh, yeah. What was the question? I think it had to do with, I think Lori was actually in it. I think it was either Lori was the clue or Lori and John, something about like their rebooting or something, you know, I mm. forget. It was like they dropped some hint, yeah. um, but the answer was full, was Fuller House. That's cool. Yeah. Is that a bizarre moment to see? Incredibly bizarre. What's bizarre is just to be a part of the show. I, yeah. I've, I still feel like I don't want to step any, on anybody's toes because what they've created is such this amazing legacy that, you know, I feel like I'm on, uh, I'm sort of gifted this opportunity to be a part of it. And I just, I just still don't want to step on anybody's toes because I think it's such an amazing thing that they've sort of, they created. So it's, it's hard to feel like I'm a part of it, which I know that sounds crazy from probably where I sit having now been a part of the second version of the show, but it's just really hard mentally to commit to that. So well, it's called humility. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) No, it's really awesome because you do, you know, you're so grateful for it, but still, you know, have never taken it for granted. Thank you. It's a special so, place. It's yeah. such a special place. I think we can all agree. All our jobs are like, it's just, there's, everyone loves to work yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. more than anything. I remember going home to my wife and she would say the same thing. Honestly, it was, had nothing to do with full house being a part of like this full house thing in the beginning. I was like, babe, I love these people. Like this place is awesome. Having worked on some other big sets with big names or whatever, it was all great. And you get to meet people and work with whoever. And you're like, wow, that was awesome. And you know, but there's always sets just have a lot of weird drama. And I got to our set. I was like, whoa, these people just are family people and they just have no interest in the BS. They just want to make the best product possible from the top down. There's no agendas. And it it was just, I was just in love with the people really from the beginning. Yeah. That's been, I think the coolest part about all of it really. 
Do you get recognized on the street? Um, yeah, I guess the answer it's yeah. Uh, uh, more than I, more than I ever had as an actor before, especially with kids. And I think uh, that's where, you know, for two reasons, one, I think kids have less of a filter. So they they'll say things, whereas, you know, adult may recognize you and keep their mouth shut, but, um, definitely more so than any other gig that I've ever had. Like usually, like I said, usually it's kids, which is great. I mean, it's so wonderful to be on a show that kids look at you like you're made of magic. You know, I go to my kid's school and it's like, they think it's so cool. That's like, a, I guess you could say a powerful gift to have the ability to sort of inspire and put smiles on kids' face just because you're sort of around. So it's a, a neat little side effect because our fans are so precious and cool being that it's mostly youth. So. What is the funniest thing one of those kids has said to you? Usually it's pretty blatant stuff about like me and DJ or you know how kids are making out with DJ or <laughs> you get to make out with DJ. You know, I hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one probably. Dude, kids uh, are weird. Yeah, I uh, forget if it was, uh, I think it was Taylor who said they're going to, all these kids are going to go home and tell their mothers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, where we were at the science center downtown, it was Shia, my older one. And um, there was a bunch of kids on field trips there. And the other thing about kids is they, you know, aren't quiet when they, they want to yell and tell all their other friends, which is totally cool. Um, So it quickly became sort of a to do. And I was, you know, circled in my eldest daughter, who's now six is kind of just used to daddy's work. She's like, dad, I'm going to go play in the sand. So she's like behind (laughs) me playing in the sand while like, you know, we're taking selfies and stuff. And then they all finally, they, they they left and Shia walks up to me and she says, I bet they're all going to go home and tell their mothers about that. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. So. We, were, we were saying earlier, I bet um, all the moms are doing the school drop-offs all of a sudden. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, what is the best concert you've ever been to? Pearl Jam. I mean, I've been to a lot of cool per- uh, concerts. Dave Matthews was always really fun in college. We, we would go see Dave at the Gorge. In, anything at the Gorge, by the way, which is an amphitheater in Washington. It's like a legendary place. It's outdoors. It's like a natural bowl. The sun sets behind it, and it's on a riverbank. And it's just amazing. Saw my first concert there, Steve Miller and the Doobie Brothers. That was epic. God, I was like 10 when I saw that. That was fun because it was my mom took me. So it was like this cross-generational thing. I saw New Kids on the Block when I was... Hmm. Uh, 10. That was cool. They were awesome. They were but it's got to be Pearl Jam. I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan and they play for their fans like nobody I've ever seen. In fact, one time at the Gorge, everyone's like getting situated, getting beers, running around on the fields and like people aren't like settled in yet. And most artists come out late, right? Like mm-hmm. most artists, oh, the show starts at 7.30. Maybe we'll, they'll come out at 8. So say the show started at 7.30. It was about 7. People are just getting settled in. The sun was about to go down. You hear strumming on the stage and everyone's like, who's that? Who's that? And then Eddie starts singing Release, which is one of their big songs, um, Eddie Vedder. Everyone's like, holy shit, like what? The show's not started yet and runs to their seats and sits down and like he finishes the song and then he ends up afterwards apologizing and he said, we just wanted to play to that as the sun's going down behind them and they just started the show a half hour early because they wanted to play while the sun was going down behind them, you know, for the fans and then proceeded to play 36 songs, which is epic for any concert. You know, you you go see a big headliner nowadays, they'll play 10 songs or something. Yeah, Beyonce gave me eight. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, now it's a big production. There's lots of fireworks, but these guys just really love what they do. And so their concerts are just awesome. They've always been about the fans. That's what happened with Ticketmaster back in the day when they said, no, you know, the most expensive seats should not be the front rows because the real fans can't afford that. And they've stayed true to that their entire way. So framed in my dining room is a a poster that right after our wedding went to a Pearl Jam concert and we're lucky enough to go backstage and meet some of them. It's in our, in our dining room. It's, it's a 
from that concert. It's like the, the concert poster and it says to John and Allison, congratulations on your wedding. And the whole band signed it. So that's like one of my prize I bet. possessions. That's amazing. And I noticed that you listen to music before uh, we start a show. Is that what I you're always, listening yeah, to? Yeah, I kind of always have, you know, what's funny though, <laughs> rarely is it Pearl Jam, which is funny specifically for full house. Usually it's something more sort of dance inspiring or hip hop, or it's always kind of tied to the mood. I've always been big into music when I'm working as an actor from the days of theater. I'd be in the wings, like literally right before I'd go on stage with music in my ear. You know, I used to burn CDs that were specific to characters, like 10 songs that were all that I thought were character specific. So music has always been super important to me in my preparation, but usually around the full house set, because everything's like cruising around, I put on something light and fun bumps that get me sort of dancing and bebopping to a sort of good spirit because that's the nature of the show. And then it's like, oh, time to go take the headphones off. I missed all the chaos in the meantime and, you know, get to walk in the front door. So does it, does it focus you? Yeah, it totally focuses me. Yeah, absolutely. Super focuses me because it cuts off all of everything else. Anything that might be um, in your head before, yeah. before doing that. Yeah, and it's funny because music's sort of always been, even when I did my homework back in the day, it was big. My mom always had like classical music playing in the background or, you know, light jazz or something that maybe it just sort of stuck with me because now my, my literally my five-year-old will walk up and say, Alexa, play coffee table jazz on Spotify. <laughs> and it's like, so yeah, so music's just always sort of been something that helped me focus, you know, and I've had jobs where the material wasn't so light and fun, where it's really dark and heavy and that's when other music comes into play. What does your mom do now? My mom, uh, well, she's, you know, she's been an artist sort of her whole life. So she still does interiors. That was sort of her main gig. She has a handful of clients that she still comes back and fluffs their houses. She calls it fluffing (laughs) and bops around. But, you know, she's, um, but she's a spring chicken. I mean, she still goes on her walk every night and she's relentless. She's got a sharp pet on her. So our podcast is called For Love of Show. What does For Love of Show mean for you? Gosh, what I, I guess immediately I just thought of like the various shows out there that that people love that sort of are what everyone's like secret love is like binge watching a show or, or falling into some storyline. Um, whether you're a kid and you watch Netflix and watch some cartoon or you're an adult and you're watching something serious, everyone's got their sort of love of, of TV or entertainment or story or, you know, I guess creative drama. So that's sort of what pops in mind. Like It's perfect. All right. That's our show. <laughs> And that's our you show. You cannot cut any of this, by the way. <laughs> this is our completely unedited, nothing's been cut out show. Yes. John is at John Brotherton on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Kim Moffat on Instagram and Twitter. Mel has a private account. Don't even think about what she's posting on there. We are uh, at For Love of Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and .com because who doesn't love a good corporate branding? And that's it. Yeah.